Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sexology podcast, episode 360. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. We've got a deep dive into some heartfelt topics today intimacy, trauma, and how we heal. We're going to tackle some tough questions with the guidance of a very special guest. As a side note, we're doing a mini series on trauma and sexuality. When I talk about trauma, I'm talking about big T traumas like rape, assault, like like life-changing experiences, or small T traumas, traumas that many of us have faced in life and we might have not known it was traumatic. Today, we're joined by Dr. Laura Copley, a true expert on trauma bonds and the powerful ways we can grow after trauma. Dr. Copley isn't just a researcher. She's a speaker, an author, and she hosts the podcast Tough Love with Dr. Laura Copley. Her work helps people understand and heal from harmful relationship patterns, especially those that can from past trauma. Her new book, Loving You Is Hurting Me, is like a roadmap for getting out of those tough spots in our relationship. Before we get into that, let's talk about something cozy. Our friends at Cozy Earth are giving our listeners an amazing offer. Have you ever felt Cozy Earth's cuddle blanket? It's their latest creation. And let me tell you, it's like a warm hug on a cold day. I like it so much that I picked up several to give as a holiday gift to my friends. It's a piece of everyday luxury. Plus, Cozy Earth is giving you up to 40% off site-wide with this code Sexology. Their stuff is Oprah approved for five years in a row. And when you'll try it, you'll know why. Make sure you are using the code Sexology to get up to 40% off. Now let's set the stage for today's conversation with Dr. Copley. We're asking some big questions. We're going to talk about how does knowing about trauma bonding help us create real intimacy? We're going to discuss how do we tell the difference between closeness that comes from the trauma bonding and the real emotional kind. And we're going to talk about toxic hook and how does being really present with ourselves make our relationship more intimate? Get ready to learn a lot about yourself and how you relate to others in today's show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so honored to welcome Dr. Laura Copley to our show. Laura, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's talk about some trauma bonding <laughs> and intimacy. <laughs> love that. Love that. You know, I was reading your book and I felt that there were just so many important points that we don't often talk about it, that you were bringing up in the book in details, not only as you mentioned in the introduction as far as like how to kind of like five step to get over your trauma, but more in a more in-depth way. I'm curious, how did you decide to write this book? What is the origin story of this book? Yes, yes. So as a trauma therapist myself, that's what I studied when I was getting my PhD. I studied trauma healing, trauma-informed care. 
I was initially seeing all of these clients through a trauma-informed lens. And over time, just happenstance, I started getting more referrals for individuals with relationship issues and couples. And they just sort of like became attracted to me for whatever reason. And I noticed right off the bat that something was off about the way they presented themselves to me as somebody who was there to help them. And so they initially came off defensive or like they were protecting themselves in some sort of way. And it turned out that that was because they were so afraid that they or both of them were going to be labeled as the bad guy or the abuser in the dynamic. And I realized that there is this simplistic dynamic of oppressor and oppressed when we use the word trauma bonding and toxic relationships. And so what I was able to offer them that was different was this sense of being able to look at them as a whole being. I was considerate of their mental, physical, emotional, social, spiritual dimensions. And I was actually able to see them in their whole story as opposed to one of you is the good guy and one of you is the bad guy. And because of that, something was opened up in our therapeutic process where we were able to go so much more deep with the healing process and then this resurfacing that happened where they were able to build a deeper sense of intimacy than they would have if they were just seen as one of you is the good guy, one of you is the bad guy, one of you is the manipulator, one of you is the manipulated. And I'm, I say this in my book, but I also want to acknowledge it here. That dynamic, that extreme oppressor, oppressed, abuser, victim dynamic, that happens. That absolutely happens. And we need to be able to pull that apart. But in most cases, what I find is those who are trauma bonded, what's actually happening is they are being bonded with this deep emotional connection formed as a result of their intersecting stories how their past childhood attachment traumas are playing out in adult reactive ways. It doesn't always mean somebody's malicious. And so that's that's what opened the door to this book and my own protocol in, in working with the trauma-bonded relationship. Such a beautiful way of looking at it. Of mm-hmm. course, as you mentioned, that there are people that, that are in a very extreme dynamic. There needs to kind of get out of it as soon as possible. But for many people that are in this journey of exploration of the relationship and the challenges, oftentimes when we put a label on our partner, Mm -hmm. we close the door to curiosity and that can just impact the outcome in a way. For our listeners that they don't know what is a trauma bond, can you tell Mm -hmm. us about that? Sure, sure. And I, I think it depends on who you ask. So I come from a bit more of a holistic and trauma-informed perspective of what a trauma bond is. So you will hear a lot about a trauma bond being a dynamic between the oppressor and the oppressed, as I mentioned. We see that with severe domestic violence. We see that with things like Stockholm Syndrome. That happens, absolutely. I open the perspective a bit more to also include the deep emotional connection that's formed between individuals as a result 
of their intersecting childhood attachment traumas that then are played out in adult reactive ways. And that creates a bond that's embedded in fear and urgency as opposed to safety and trust. And when partners are both committed to understanding and healing that trauma wound, that original wound that's playing out in in these really reactive, painful ways, when we both own our own role in why that's playing out and how we are triggering each other, it can create a shared journey of growth, of deepening the intimacy between them. That's why we do this. So fascinating. You know what I've Mm -hmm. noticed at times in my practice, and I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to that, that sometimes when you are in that dynamic sense of urgency and Mm -hmm. lots of kind of underlying kind of dynamics, that can make sex more passionate or hot for many people. So absolutely. Tell us how can one recognize it's like, how does my trauma bond impact my sexual connection with this person? Oh, absolutely. And I think that returns to that, that sense of, and, and this is, this is obviously simplifying it. There's more of this in the book, but I ask my clients to start exploring their sense of urgency or fear that is embedded in their attachment versus a sense of safety, security, and trust that is in their attachment with that person. So we slow the process down to see what is causing that fiery, passionate exploration of one another. And a lot of times it's that sense of fear or urgency that's that's calibrating that. And from that place, we are seeking out our partner to prove to us that they're not going anywhere. And it's coming from this place of, are you going to abandon me? Are you going to leave me? And then sex and intimacy becomes this reassuring thing that they're not going anywhere. And it can feel fantastic. It can release all the yummy hormones and chemicals and that sort of thing. But then when I ask them to explore when they make love from a place of safety, security, or trust, is that in there too? Is that something that they experience too? And what does safety, security, and trust feel like or or are they experiencing that in their relationships and in their sex life? And we explore what those feelings are. Like we really break down and help them define it and help them put language to it and put narratives to it. And what does each of those things from urgency and fear to safety and trust, what does that actually feel like in our body? And what does it feel like in the presence of our partner? And if we can start exploring those concepts, we can then tie, or is is this fantastic sex life that I think we have, is that based on something that might be on the trauma bond spectrum? Again, it doesn't mean abuse, but it might be a trauma bond spectrum, more mild to moderate variations, or is this is this intimate, rich sex life because of a sense of safety with my partner, but we're also dabbling in some novelty and some creativity. I love that. So yeah. what, what if people are feeling that, you know, my erotic template kind of is big part of it is that urgency, that passion, and safety and security is not turn me on. So is there any way that yeah. they can navigate that? Yes. So I think what we need to understand, and this is pulling a bit from Esther Perel's work, with her being able to outline that 
we can have both safety and novelty and stability and adventure, and we can have that duality at the same time. But with individuals who were shown that inconsistency and fear, let's say, let's say inconsistency and fear were norms, and they learned that that is now coded as how you receive love, then when they do feel a sense of safety and trust and that softness and more gentleness, that's coded in their body, not as safety and trust, but sometimes as boredom. And so what we need to work on is helping them understand that you're allowed to have both, that we don't have to keep rupturing the relationship with these little micro fights and always having a problem and this pursue withdrawal dynamic. We don't need to do that in order to have passion. We can learn how to build safety and intimacy, remove the pain and fear. And then once we have that safety, we can then bring in things that will add to that spice and that novelty and adventure. But it's because we have a foundation of safety. And that feels differently somatically in our bodies yes. and the kind of help us kind of like to even go deeper on some of those kind of like aspect of juicy part of sexual connection that you want to go yes. with partner, if that's something you're interested in. If that's something that you're interested in. And I think that's something that it's, it's not easy to fathom when you're at the stage of your own healing that's not quite you know, believing me yet, believing that safety can actually make sex even richer and and more fun and more adventurous. You know, I work with people that like give me like the like raised eyebrow, like, mm -hmm, yeah, sure. But really what we find is because we're removing fear and the fear of losing that person or the fear of abandonment or the fear of rejection or betrayal, once we remove all of those original attachment wounds, and we have a foundation of safety, the depth that we're able to explore with our partner and that mutual self-exploration and adding adventure and novelty and trying new things and what we're able to do because we know our partner is there and is going to be there and accept us, the way we put ourselves out there in such vulnerable ways opens the door to just mind-blowing intimacy. I agree. I see it every day in my practice for people who are interested in to working mm -hmm. on the dynamic, understanding the pattern and kind of being curious about different way of connecting that can yes. result in deepening and making the sex even excite, more exciting and mm -hmm. more meaningful, at least for clients that I've seen. I know in your book, you talk about toxic hook. Yes. What do you mean by that? Yes. So that's, that's actually something uh, the toxic hook is. A, visualiza a visualization of the cycle that is happening that I created and I outline in my book. And what it implies is that I want you to imagine that the cycle of trauma bonding as a hook that ensnares both partners. So both partners are falling victim to it. It is, it is the bad guy, not each other. And so when we're able to map it out in this visual, all of a sudden, we become allies against this old pattern that we are hooked by, where we are addicted to. And then what I do is I, have, I help my clients map out each stage of this toxic hook. And by identifying each stage and how each stage triggers the next stage, couples then can strategize together and intervene together to break that cycle. 
And we break the cycle even if our partner is not on board. Maybe they're not they're not buying to that kind of idea or they don't have the awareness or like that's not something that they know. We can we certainly can. Now I then question about do you have a partner that is on board with relationship healing and mutual healing? But that's a side discussion. Can you break the toxic hook if your partner is not breaking their end. Yes, it's not going to look maybe how ideally you want it to look, but it's going to end up looking the way you need it to look. And what I mean by that is you are going to be claiming your role in why a certain dynamic is playing out. If you are working on your triggers, if you are strategizing your own like new techniques and skills that can break how you are triggered by your partner, if you are learning how to become more self-aware of what that's triggering in you and how that links back to old attachment wounds, if you're able to self-soothe in new ways and maybe form different support systems to help you still feel connected, then what's going to happen is you're, you are breaking yourself out of that negative pattern with or without your partner. And you're going, and, the, and then therefore your partner is going to respond to your new behaviors in a different way, whether he or she likes it or not. And I think that can also change the relational dynamic as we know, like any system, right? So if one part yeah. of it changes, the whole system can change for better or worse. But sure. at times I see that people say like, as long as my partner is not coming to couple therapy, they're not seeking their own therapy, we're not able to make their progress which again, it's ideal to both partners ideal. work on it, but you can kind of focus on uh, learning focus about on your experience. Yeah, that's, abs- that's absolutely right. So, you know, in a perfect world, yes, we want, because it takes two to tango, it takes two people to have a traditional relationship. And we'd love to see that two people are willing to do the work to take care of the relationship. And one person can make some changes in the relationship. I, in my practice, I really make sure that I give that person the recognition, though, of how unfair that is. Because most of the time, the person that is coming into therapy and is doing the healing work and is reading the books and spending the money and coming to therapy every week and doing all the things, they are also the one that's trying all the skills in the relationship. And oftentimes, they can be the one in the relationship that is the the caretaker of the relationship or the hero of the relationship. They have a role in being the one that's making the relationship survive. So when I'm coming in and saying like, hey, yeah, we can make some changes. And I just want you to know that I see how unfair that is and how exhausting that might be. And I'm not expecting you to pretend that it's easy and that it's not tiring not to see your partner give an equal amount. And Hopefully, with some of these new strategies that we're putting in, your partner naturally starts to respond to you differently and and sees the work, him or herself. Well, for our listeners, that they are in that space, that they are only kind of like only person working on these issues and they want to unhook themselves. Can you give us some example of what would those strategies look like in that dynamic? Right. Yes. So the first thing that I have my clients do is... When they're mapping out the pattern, so like get a scratched piece of paper and, and my book outlines how to do this, but you can do this on your own. Just like step one, two, three, four, five. 
what is getting triggered first? How does that look behaviorally in you once you are triggered? What does that do to your partner when you act that way? How does that look externally? What, how's your partner behave? And then ultimately, does that lead to this self-sabotaging disconnection that you're afraid of in the first place? And so mapping that out, and then I want you to name it. So I want you to externalize it and name it. That pattern, that old pattern that has both of you ensnared, that's the bad guy. Not you, not your partner, theoretically. That is what we're up against. And so viewing it like that helps unite you and your partner as allies instead of adversaries. So when we do that, couples can align against the true foe, which is that toxic hook. And then what I have my clients do is every stage along the way that they mapped out, put a little offshoot around each of those and just come up with a list of different things that you would articulate different strategies you would do to breathe through being triggered, lists of supports that you could call, different things that you could do along each stage that just would be different. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be perfect yet. Just how would this, how could I do something different? That's the key. And write something along each of those steps. And then finally, I have my client or couple go through a guided visualization of If I did that differently, how would that feel in my body? And how would my partner respond differently that would be different than the old painful way? And I also have my couples talk to each other and visualize together. How would it look different if we responded to that stage in this new way? And I have them feel it and embody it and picture it and share with each other just how that emotionally feels different and then what that would mean to the partner if if they showed up different for us. That sort of positive feedback can be really helpful. What I really like about this approach, except that besides that all this wonderful intervention strategies is the embodiment part of yes. it, right? Because like sometimes, especially when our previous trauma get activated, if we're only working with the mind part, the thought part, we are missing so many information. But I think if we're focusing on embodiment, how what, how would that look like in our body? That can be yes. very powerful. How does that, do you notice that that changes people's sexual connection after going through these stages? What, what they usually experience afterward? Oh, absolutely. I mean, across the board. When people are learning that their body is safe to experience a plethora of emotions, and they learn how to be able to experience all of those emotions and all of those physical sensations, we're not just learning how to rebuild trust and safety with other people, but more importantly, we are learning how to build a healthier relationship with our own selves. And so we feel safer with our needs. We feel safer with our thoughts. We feel safer with our emotions. We feel safer with body sensations. And because of that, we show up for other people in such more richer and fuller ways. We are able to, and just in terms of sexuality, that sense of presence and engagement and being so embodied, you are completely and totally there with your partner instead of in this reactive and urgent place 
that you're, that you're responding to because you're afraid or because you're triggered or because you're having hot makeup sex. We feel more stable. We feel more grounded. We feel a very centered body from this embodied place. We're capable of showing up for ourselves, holding space loved ones. Well, I, I love all the strategies that you talk about in the book and all the resources you mentioned. Is there anything that you think would be important for our listeners to have as a takeaway from our conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the biggest things to start to consider is even well-meaning people can have toxic traits and even good people can form trauma bonds. And when we're able to hold space for that, we open the door for a type of healing the individual needs, couples need, families need, the greater family needs, society needs, culture needs, the world needs, you know? So when I, I think it's just really important to, to be more gentle with yourself and give yourself some more grace. And because of this, you will be opening this vulnerability and depth to living more fully embodied, not so urgent, not so avoidant or fearful or reactive. And so it's like being open about one's trauma, about one's fears, about your insecurities. This can lead you to a deeper emotional connection with your beloved. And as you show up owning your vulnerabilities, you're subconsciously giving others permission to do the same. And that's what I love about this work. And it's a very, could be a rewarding work, right? So I I think oh, yeah. that like sometimes people get discouraged because when you start implementing this, as you start setting boundaries with yourself and others, you might notice that like other person have a protest behavior or they kind of yes. like escalate the situation. And that feels in the moment could be feeling defeating, yes. but long term, it's fully worth it for people to like repair your own kind of like challenges in a relational context. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, for our listeners that they want to learn more about the book, about all the wonderful uh, content yeah. you're putting out there, what are some of the good places they can check out? Yes. I have so much coming up within the next year that I'm really excited about. The first thing that just happened this month is my book, Loving You is Hurting Me, was released. And you can order that on Amazon. You can order it off Barnes & Noble, off Target. And I'm really excited about that. That is full of different sorts of strategies and techniques, case studies, my own journey from how I cultivated healing and post-traumatic growth in my life. And it is, it's the protocol from moving through your childhood trauma into your current trauma bonds and dysfunctional relationships and then resurfacing into this transformative growth where you are using your story in a way that makes such powerful meaning for yourself and for others. So that's now available. Again, it's Loving You Is Hurting Me. And you can also find me on Instagram at Doc Copley. I'm there posting all sorts of things on relationship advice and trauma bonds and working with toxic relationships. And then to stay in touch about all the exciting news, which is going to be webinars and live events and workshops and retreats, you can find me on my website, lauracopley.com. 
We'll make sure we leave a link in the show notes to those Great, resources. Thank and thank Fantastic. you so much, Dr. Laura Copley, to come on our show. I personally loved your book and I hope people get a chance to check it out. And hopefully we will have you back in the show in future. Have me back anytime. Thank you so much. A huge thank you to Dr. Laura Copley for diving into the complexities of trauma bonding with us and for shedding light on its impact on sexual experiences and intimacy. It's conversations like these that remind us of the intricate ants between our past and how we connect on a deeply physical and emotional level. As we part today, remember the importance of self-care and relaxation, especially in the hustle of holiday season. Speaking of relaxation, I've recently rediscovered the simple pleasure of taking a bath. It's become a sanctuary of sorts for me, and Cozy Earth doesn't just excel with their cuddle-worthy blankets. They've also got a premium bath collection that's simply divine. Imagine stepping into your bathroom transform into a personal spa, complete with the softest bath products you can imagine. Start your holiday season with the gift of relaxation. Gift your loved ones or yourself with something from Cozy Earth Bath Collection. It's sure to make every bath an experience to cherish. And don't forget, Cozy Earth is offering an exclusive deal for our listeners, up to 40% off site-wide with the code SEXOLOGY. From their cuddle blanket to their bath products, it's all about bringing that touch of luxury and comfort into our daily lives. We hope today's discussion has offered insights and strategies for anyone dealing with the effect of trauma bonding, and we encourage you to reach out to professionals if you see reflection of these in your own life. Thank you for tuning in, and until next time, Keep the dialogue open and continue to strive for healthier, more fulfilling sexual experiences and relationships. Because after all, that's what the Sexology Podcast is all about. Thanks for listening to the Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.